Hi music lovers, welcome to another episode of Electronic Music Man. I'm your host, James Locksmith. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Zed Bias, one of the UK's most impactful and influential electronic music artists over the last 20 years and remains at the top of his game. Bias's releases, which explore a more experimental or progressive side of the two-step garage sound, have been hailed as a crucial element in the establishment of dubstep as a defining sound and genre. He's worked with a list of artists, released over 10 albums, and continues to work with many new artists, and also on remix duties haven't stopped. Also known as Mad Slinky, and one half of Futuristics, Bias is well known for his contributions to UK Garage, Two Step, Broken Beat, and other weird and wonderful sounds. With endless touring and a healthy party attitude, in recent years, Bias took to transforming his health so he can continue his mission as an artist and more importantly, a father. On today's episode, we're discussing the road to health transformation and keeping relevant. I've been a big fan of Zed Bias's work and have really appreciated his unique sounds and production. After meeting about five years ago and witnessing his health transformation, I had to have him on the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Dave Jones, Zed Bias, welcome to Electronic Music Man. Thank you for joining me on the show. Hello, James. Thanks for having me, mate. It's been a while. Uh, it's been yeah it's definitely been a minute for sure yeah um last time i actually saw you in the flesh it was in a house party yes um you were (laughs) you were behind the decks in like one room and then i went downstairs into another room it was the most kind of hollywood house party i've ever been to (laughs) outside hollywood obviously uh it was, it was it was fantastic. Do you remember that with me and Chunky? Yes, I yes I remember that now. I I do. It was the after the two six four party. There was an after party for from uh, the, the this uh, the, this crew here in Dubai called Satwa three thousand, right. and they and we they had us both playing. That's right. I remember yeah. that. It was, it was <laughs> three. I was three sheets to the wind, mate. I know that Chunky spent most of the party in the promoter's <laughs> bed. I think. In his actual bed, <laughs> sleeping <laughs> off the the boat party. Yes, that's right. I remember that. Right, that was a crazy day. It was a, a, a um such so much fun, and uh, the boys did such a great uh, party for that 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 day. Um, yeah, God, that was what two thousand and fifteen. Was two thousand and fifteen? Yeah, that was the first time I'd met Kutma as well. Kutma was on. Yes, uh, yes. we all stayed. In Jamira Hills, uh, with uh, okay, okay. Uh, oh God, where did we stay now? Danilo's house. Yes, yes, right. SRI, SRI of house. Yeah, and <laughs> oh my God, yes. we made like food and we recorded it, played drums. We had a drum circle. We were bashing the spoons and plates and recording it all. It was fucking. Do you know what? That was one of the best trips away i've ever had and thank you <laughs> chunky for being so mashed coming off of that boat because we were supposed to go to the airport that night and he was literally too fucked to get on a plane he was, he was too fucked to, get, to stand up we, we literally me and kutma had him i had both his legs kutma had both his arms and we were walking through metal detectors. I remember in that house party. Do you remember we had a, a security guy there? And he's just looking at me like, 
he's, he's alive, yeah? And, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, he's alive. He just had a couple too many. All right. We're going to get him into bed. All right. Yeah. It, what, it was uh, a big day and, um, yeah, I, so much has happened since then. I mean, you've been, you've still been very active in the studio. Tell me what, what's been happening for you this year? Um, you, yeah, what, what, how have you been uh, adapting and adjusting and navigating through this, this uh, last 10 months? Uh, so I suppose if you want to go back to February when my last proper show was, that was in Milan, and I just literally missed COVID. They, they were the big first big spike in Europe for COVID. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I missed that by like two weeks. Um, and I remember that was the first time that COVID was really on my radar because we had people on arrival taking, uh, you know, like a little heat sensor they put on your forehead to see if you've got uh, some kind of symptoms or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was the last uh, show that I had before it all locked down. Um, I was very gutted, mate. I'm not going to lie. I was, I had it all set up. I had all my ducks in a row for the first time in 20 years. I've had album, this is like, you know, I'm on album number 14 now. Um, this basically um, was the first time that I had an album there that was tourable. I had an agent who was capable of delivering the tour. Um, I've got management that could have turned that momentum into so much more. And the product was ready and ready to go. Um, and that happened. And I know I'm not the only one out there that this has happened to. I know there'll be people listening no. now going, yeah, bro, yeah, yeah that, that happened to me <laughs> as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, you know, it's sod's law. You've got no control over yeah. anything. That's one thing I've learned. Just when you think you've got a grip on things, something can come along and just take your legs. Uh, yep. And you have to adapt. So, you know, I, I suppose over the years I've had, I've had change issues, if I'm being honest. Like, uh, mm. even though, like, throughout a career you change what you do, but uh, musically I've, I've, adop I've adopted, I've adopted many sort of roles and changed tack musically quite a lot. Um, but this has helped me sort of just see change is necessary. And if you want to survive, you have to sometimes do it. You have to spin on a penny. You have to make it happen quickly and without any fear. Because when you put fear and creativity in the same room it just goes wrong that's another thing that i realized over uh covid should we call it lockdown you know the first bout of it march to summer mid summer end of summer um because my coping mechanism is what i've found has been to create but then the the anxiety and everything that there has been during this lockdown hasn't been conducive to the best results. So what I had to do was uh, 
the end of July, I realised that I'd just been locking myself away in the studio, eating, comfort eating, smoking, uh, drinking, but back on the booze again. And then uh, just hit me like a ton of bricks. This isn't really helping matters for me, mm. you know, because mm. when things switch back on, A, I'm not going to have any product that's any good. I'm not going to have any tunes that I'm proud of playing anybody, let alone myself. And um, I'm probably going to be dead. You know what I mean? If I carried on the way I was, I was 19 and a half stone by mid to late July. And I put on three, good three stone during lockdown, uh, which upset me. It upset me. felt I let myself down. But also... Luckily, because a few years ago, I, I made the decision to lose weight, get fit, got a PT. I knew my way back to happiness. You know, I knew my way back to where I needed to be. And that's had a knock-on effect. So the end of July, I decided, right, that's it. I'm getting another PT. And since then, I've been doing four to five days hard, hard graft in the, in the gym and feeling yeah. so much better. Tell me the first time round though, like, cause I, I, that was something I wanted to talk to you about. Was, uh, you know, in recent years that uh, you, you've taken a focus to your health and fitness. What was the motivation, inspiration, for such a dramatic transformation initially? Like, what was, yeah, what like that first time round and and now? Obviously, we, you've explained this second time round. Yeah, yeah. But, um, the first yeah. time round, um, I had a massive life change. Um, I split up with my then partner of 14 years, uh, left the family home, uh, moved away from my 11-year-old son, uh, moved into my studio, and uh, basically just, you know, not in a good way, not in a good shape, mm. uh, just kind mm. of toughed it out. Over this was between September and Christmas, so I spent Christmas Day on my own in the studio, which was sobering. But luckily, <coughs> excuse me, I was already on my fitness journey at that point. The point that really hit me was again, it was it was a realization of if I don't sort this out, I'm gonna die. I'm 45 years old um, then was 45 years old i just got a radio show to kind of i don't know put a bit of pep into my life at the time i thought that would be a good fun way of like livening things up a bit not realizing how low my self-esteem was at the time of doing it and not you know not having my head right at all and i guess like it, it shows it could you know there's telltale signs of people uh, depressed or you know just not happy and sometimes just having it pointed out to you by somebody that you don't know too well um, can be enough so that was that was one like little motivation quite a big one uh, uh, another DJ and a radio producer who's kind enough to produce my radio show at Unity FM uh, ZJ he was um uh, he, well, he is a black belt in uh, kickboxing. 
big lump of a guy, about 18 stone, just solid. And um, he wanted to make music. Well, he, he was making music and I wanted to get fit. And I didn't have the confidence to join a gym. Didn't have the confidence to really bring it up with anybody. I was absolutely like at my wit's end. But because of the, the exposure I get in my job, uh, there's quite a lot of, I don't know, uh, playing it cool. Like, oh, there's no problem. Do you know what I mean? Just march on, just keep fucking being Zed Bias and doing this and that the way I've always done it. But obviously the, the, the formula wasn't there for success. I was, again, I was 20 and a half stone at that point. And that's way too big for me. I'm like five foot, nine and a half. Uh, so, you know, at that point I was doing a radio show East, he, he, the first little in about he wanted to come to the studio. I'm like, right, okay, I'll give you double the amount of hours in the studio that you give me doing pads, like boxing pads, boxing training. He was like, you're on. And from that day, this was 2018, um, the end of, like, it was about the same time, July, end of July 2018. I used to drive to Oldham. Um, knock on his door, he'd get his pads. I'd have my little mitts, horrible little boxing mitts, cheap things, and big baggy clothes. I'd I'd be fucked by the time we got to. Uh, excuse my French. I'd be out of breath by the time we got to the the park, but the park where the tennis courts are. That's where we're training. And he was doing me. Uh, he was having me do all sorts. I remember I couldn't do one setup because literally the belly was in the way. Uh, couldn't do one press up. Um, within two, two and a half months, by, I can remember when it was, it was December the 7th that I joined the gym, the same gym that I'm at now. Um, and that's because I met my missus on the same day, uh, the missus I'm with now. Um, mm -hmm. I'd been exercising for two and a half months and he'd taken off. He'd got me down to 18 and a half stone by kicking and punching. And... A lot. It was very, very good experience. Very, you know, anybody who's not done it before and is thinking of a way to expel their demons in a, in a way that isn't hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's it's. Well, I, I can I can certainly relate to, you know, um, I I I struggled with my my own fitness and and you know getting into that routine until my like almost like in my 40s yep. as well and and it is breaking those patterns and this and those thoughts that you've accumulated over all these years that have kind of stopped you in the past and breaking over those like hurdles and uh and that's what you're doing right you're just you're breaking those patterns that have been with you for so long and i i've i've, I've i love it now like i love keeping fit yeah, yeah. And and it doesn't doesn't it doesn't scare me the way it used to, you know. That is, is that is that been the same for you? Absolutely. Um, ZJ put it a really good way early on into my training. I mean, it was more like a mentorship. I'll be honest with you. He's fifteen years younger mm. than me. Um, he's an old wow. he's an old yeah. soul. You look at him and he's like an yeah. old slugger. You can imagine him like being a James Bond baddie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's he used to put it to me um, upward spirals and downward spirals like vortexes that suck you one way or the other 
your life can be in one pattern or the other. And I was in a downward spiral. So everything I was doing was impacting on the down, being down, um, being overweight was stopping me exercising, destroying my confidence, um, mm. making me find solace in drinking other substances. And then uh, that in turn would stop me exercising did it get worse and worse? You, you're just going down, 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 down. Once you break that pattern, flip it the other way. The the first steps always the hardest. The first few weeks, everyone knows that. But you know, I literally the first step into the gym for me was the hardest thing I've ever done. And trust me, today's workout was a mad one. Like I, I've done a, I've done a like a two thousand calorie workout today yeah well wow. I'm, I'm i'm do every day like i'm doing like hundreds of sit-ups crunches russian twists burpees um I'm, I'm, it's probably yeah, it's proper training but the hardest thing i've ever done was that first step into the gym i felt like yeah, yeah, yeah. some kind of freak um you know felt like everybody's looking at me and they probably was because of the nervous energy when you walk in somewhere and you look lost yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? Fuck. Um, you know, looking for the nearest bit of machinery that can hold your weight. Um, it was pretty mad. But yeah, uh, it's from that step and gaining confidence slowly and losing weight and gaining confidence, everything becomes easier. And then it's been a, like a weekly thing where I have micro goals with my PT and myself. More importantly, myself now. I, he's, he's not checking up on me. He's just helping me get there. I'm, if anything, I'm shifting things along a bit faster now. Um, is that because is that because you, that because of the first time round as well? Because I guess get I guess like what happened now, like this year, getting back into this routine was a lot easier than yeah. like because it just, all it just took a little yeah. nudge, and then it it got the wheels in motion again. Well, right? there's muscle memory involved, but. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. more the mindset. I just um, all I needed was one person to believe, other than me, obviously, and of some authority. So a PT could believe that I could sort myself out, and that person just be there to help me be accountable this time. It, it's accountability. It helps big it's time. It's the only way for Massive. me because I'm such mm. a skyver. Um, mm. You know. Um, it's it's very hard to fall off track. Oh, sorry, it's very easy to fall off track, and it's hard when you've got someone next to you every single day um, supporting you in a really positive way, not um, you know in an uplifting way. Because that upliftment it all fe feeds into this upwards surge in your life. You know, uh, it's like actually footholds climbing up a wall. You know, like that's how I feel every little step like it could be i don't know i mean we're in instagram days now yeah so that the most steadfast way of me having f accountability in front of everybody in front of all my eleven thousand followers is recording my activities um showing people that i've lost weight with before and after pictures and stuff like that it's really for me for the, how it makes me feel doing it keeps me on track.
um, it's not. But you mentioned you mentioned now though that you're finding that there is um, an element of of your own self motivation as well. I, well like yeah, finding I'm coming into stuff. this, James. I'm coming into this now. It's unknown territory for me, mate. Because I used yeah, to be yeah, quite yeah. sporty when I was a kid. You know, last 15, 16 years old, I was playing football, rugby, and since then, nothing. So in my forties, mid forties, mid to late forties, I'm finding out I'm pretty athletic pretty strong and bloody fit and I promised myself quite recently a month or two ago that if I can do more I will do more and it's like a it's the only, it's the only way forward mate <laughs> well it's like a mantra for myself um, so then you, it, it becomes you against you not you against the camera mm. not you against people uh, you know because mm. uh, mm. obviously like there's going to be people thinking who's this fucking 45, 46, 47 year old dude giving it the large one. Right. I'm just um, I'm not I'm not here for everybody else. Like I've lived up till now the way I've wanted and now I've just wanted to change. So it is totally about me and and that's what it should be. Do you know what I mean? The first time I did this, it was a little bit because I've been trolled as well on my Facebook page. And that had made me really unhappy. Like there were a bunch yeah. of lads. how so? Like the people, people like uh, yeah, go on. You, uh, yeah, just a bunch of lads posting stuff up on my page, commenting on absolutely everything. Um, just you know, just childish fucking name calling. Wow. But um, it wow. was. But you, but no doubt, you had a lot of other people encouraging you as well. Right? Oh god, yeah. You know, I. I kind of, in a moment of weakness, I posted on my, my Facebook, like, you know, I've had enough of this, um, like, fat shaming, basically, that, that I'm going through on my page, and it's pissing me off. Uh, wow. And, yeah, I've, I've got something like a thousand fucking comments from people who don't feel like that. And then, you know, obviously dickheads that join in as well. But, what annoyed me the most in retrospect, looking back at that, was the fact that I didn't have the inner strength to just let it run off of me like it didn't matter. Because truly doesn't matter to me now what anybody thinks is about mm. me. Well, I guess as long as I'm not hurting anybody, you know, as long as I know yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, living yeah, yeah, yeah. a uh, good existence, I'm not putting anybody else out, doing my best try my best and putting the best the most in yeah that's something i guess you've gained from from this these these experiences yeah you know you develop you develop a stronger um thicker skin you know to deal with that stuff you know definitely yeah Yeah, i think i'm warming up a bit here now Well, um, so on on um, this year though, because uh, it happens, you know, uh, especially with the turn of events when that that came and hit us all this year, and it it has made us all kind of reflect and look within, and and it's it's not it's no like shame or mystery to to have f- slips behind. You know, at the start of this year, with because who knows, like how how were we all to 
to deal with this, you know, like with this this massive change in life. But you were able to pull yourself aside and go, well, all right, I, I can either let this whole pandemic really screw with my life or I can take charge and control and get back in the seat. And that's what sounds like what's happened in the last couple, three months now. You've like really kind of like... It's you know, really about grab, grab, grab the grab the bull by the horns again, you know. Absolutely, um, mm. it's helped. I've got some great people behind me. Um, my missus Elise, she's a very positive um, person in my life. You know, having someone to share it all with, and you know, she's on a, a similar thing. I wouldn't say she's trying. I mean, she keeps fit. She goes to the the gym, but she's a she's a curve model. She's not. Ex- um, you know, wanting to be um, skinny or athletic or anything like that, you know. Um, but you know, she's uh, she's she's sympathetic to what I'm doing at the moment, which is means everything, you know. Like disappearing for two or three hours a day to concentrate on myself, and that's not even counting work. That's kind of a lot when you're in a relationship. Um, so to have someone supporting you in that way is really good. Uh, my PTJ, he's another really, um, you know, new, newer in my life. Uh, I've known him for a few years in the gym on and off, but he's, uh, you know, obviously since he's been my PT throughout the summer and up to now, five days a week, having that regular time, you get to know somebody, especially when you're going through some serious pain barriers and, you know, potential like how can I say fire spots you know what I mean like it could if there was any sort of uh, weakness in communication or like you're pissing me off or whatever it would come out of the gym actually like it clicked with me and him and that's I I believe that's why it's gone so well uh, Mm. as it has well it's it's super it's super important to have um, that that network and the right people around you and the right environment around you clearly you know like every every i think everyone has to really kind of tailor a a support um you know to have those pillars around you to keep you accountable keep you in check uh and that uh, this is perfect because i i i I noticed like you mentioned creating a vibe in your studio is important and to help create a suitable you know, um, working an inspirational environment. So is this, would you say this is kind of like the same applies in all areas of your life, you know, you know, making, adjusting environments to, to uh, be conducive for you, you know, like, is that a similar thing? Um, Well, yeah, it is. Um, Depending on what I've wanted in my life, I've sort of done that. Um, there has been times when holding the vibe in the studio meant having a bottle of Jack Daniels flowing. Right. Uh, all sort. I was going to ask you, what does that mean? Like, what, what, what does that look like now for you creating a vibe in your studio? Well, creating a vibe in my studio. It's changed. Obviously, that's okay, evolved. So my studio, unlike a lot of other people's, uh, maybe, um, I use it as my laboratory and I invite people in to either create with me or if they need a favor, I'll gladly help them. If I feel like, you know, it's a, it's not pulling me off of 
what I should be doing. If I can help, I will. Um, it don't, you know, it's, it's my energy. It's not costing me money. Pushing a few buttons and recording things for people um, and showing people how to do things. So that, that's that's quite important. Um, having that open door policy, that's the start of a, mm. uh, more of a welcoming right. vibe. Um, and then what usually comes from that is I'll, I'll, I'll make it clear that, you know, I'll, I'll do this for you. Um, I'll pay, pay this, this favor forward as it were. Um, but you know, could be after a vocal from you at some point or a few. <laughs> yeah, mate, no problem. And that has always been the magic, the, the, um, wanting to do something Exchange. for, yeah, exchanging energies is all yeah, yeah. rather than exchanging money uh, it's, that's mm. been really and it, it hasn't always paid off for me this, there's been times where I've paid I've paid way too much energy uh, but you know no one's doing it with a gun to my head it, it's more than likely my idea in the first place so that's just the way I, I sort of conduct myself and this uh, sort of culminated in me working with some great people as well people that you would never really associate with uh a uk garage producers journey i suppose i've had some randomly amazingly successful in other genre artists you know, like, uh, springing to mind henry Wu, yusuf kamal yusuf day mm-hmm. uh, and sir brown uh, me should be um, leaders of the new yeah school. yeah all the, all, the, all of these these people I would count as my friends um, mm. and it's all we've done is just shared moments really we've not made no money together they're all doing great doing what they're doing it's just, I just see it as mm. like a, I don't know just like a time mark in, for me rather than uh, any sort of indication of success or anything like that, you know? It's, it, mm. I suppose I look at it differently because it's a 20-year stretch, so I'm not like, you know, there's things that I've made um, and not been paid for or things that haven't been released for five years from making it. So the time marks for me has always been who I've worked with and what we were doing. Um, mm. Does that make sense? How, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. how you sort of, if you had to look at a timeline of your career, um, it's never been about releases for me. It's been about the the, the actual the, the, the days in the studio. Yeah, that's yeah. That's yeah. always. Focus. I wanted to ask you about that because, like, you've, I mean, you've been you've been at the forefront of uk dance music for 20 years but when i say dance like i'm more of a niche niche sounds yes. but have been extremely impactful and extremely influential on uk dance music like the sounds that you've worked with um what would you say are the like would be some of the key factors that have kept you consistent and evolving throughout these years and still very relevant and still very sought after i mean you're working like you're you you haven't stopped and you're still working with new like new kids now and new people new artists and 
you've you've been ab- able to weave the sounds and and I mean it's very I mean you've connected all these dots have still stay connected UK garage the the two step the the broken beats the, all these kind of sounds are still you know relevant today and yeah so tell me how's how's is there been is there a secret to this process <laughs> it's just not stopping just not not refusing to feel old refusing to feel obsolete <laughs> um, sometimes there'll, there'll be there'll be probably more days these days than before like say 10 15 years ago there'll be more days these days where i'm sitting thinking about what i'm going to do <laughs> so the process is maybe that i'm move, moving a little bit slower but when i do do something it has more impact than trying to spend every waking hour in the studio creating everything i think back in the day if i'm honest with you i used to cover styles and stuff i used to hear things and think yeah i could do that but i just changed that one little aspect of it and then it's mine (laughs) and that's i don't know if that's the healthiest way to see music or not um but it was like achieving like these different formulas and stuff and i suppose in my trippy smoked up marijuana head at the time that it was all sort of experimenting you know um the proverbial white lab coat and everything and i was some kind of professor in my head little 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 did i know it just completely wasn't like that, you know. And when I listen back to some of the failed experiments now, like proper abortions, I just would not uh, play to anybody. So, yeah, success rate, I reckon, has gone up a little bit as I've gone through the journey. But that's right. I mean, that's, that's as it should be. If you're not improving, when you're doing something every day, um, you're not doing it right. It, it might. Mm. Uh, even subconsciously or not you know you're not trying to improve practice makes perfect repetition would in the end make you win if you put in enough that's why they talk about 10,000 hours being the start of expertise Mm. I reckon I've done 30 to 40,000 hours easily that's just a rough estimate I've been making tunes on Christmas day when I was when I had my studio at my house many years ago I'd get up to the studio for a few hours in the evening. You know, I was shameless. Whoever I was living with, whoever I was, whoever were my neighbours, whatever the sound was, I was just, that's my time. That's what I'm doing. I've got ideas. I'm, I'm blessed. I will always, I, I believe I'll, I will always have ideas. That's, when you haven't got ideas, then you've got nothing. You can have all the equipment in the world. But I believe that I've, I've found a way of just keeping it going. But was it was it like a, a bit of a game in some in some regard? Like you, you know, all these years that have passed by, have uh, obviously there's going to be things that you've learned along the way to improve the processes and stuff. But you like there's there's obviously it doesn't obviously it doesn't feel like work, you know. Like it's just like for you, it's been um, an enjoyable experience. Like it's something that. Makes you jump out of bed in the morning, yeah. right? Or never go to bed. <laughs> or never so, go to bed. 
<laughs> no, it got so bad. Um, you know, I was dysfunctional. It got me completely addicted. Um, you mm. want to talk about addictions? Music's been my biggest addiction. Um, I've had all kinds of fuel to keep me going. Um, and to put me in different mind states when I'm creating in the studio and different people to, to join me along the way or, you know, they might be the absolute, uh, the focus of what, what I'm doing. But the love of it is a stay true. It's like, um, the, it, it's like playing computer game. You know, I, I was around my mate's house the other day and he's playing a computer game. Um, and I just couldn't relate to him, what he was doing and everything. But I thought, so thought about it. I'm like, well, actually, that's what I do. I'm just looking at a screen, fiddling around, and the serotonin's flowing. And, um, you know, I'm having a buzz at the end of the day. And sometimes mm. I go into this meditative state when I'm editing, especially uh, mixing, mixing down, where, again, through repetition, you're, you're learning um, stuff when you're not even realizing you're learning so your subconscious can take over sometimes you know you must be like it when you drive a car maybe on a motorway or something and you zone out you can be very much in your own head just yeah. focused on the road and if anything happened you know it's there but you're gone you could you could have traveled 20 miles not know where that 20 miles has gone i can do that three days on a trot in front of my screen like eight hours before a toilet break <laughs> so Get, I'm, a, totally I'm, a, I'm a junkie for it james i really and, <laughs> and, and really like you know so even even now even now um hopeless hopeless addict <laughs> So you 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 said early in the year um, you had a, a, like a, a, a tour schedule and and um, uh, a release schedule for the year outlaid. Yeah. The performances since you stopped DJing, what does a performance for a Z Buyer show consist of now, uh, or was going to look like? Well, I did a socially distanced gig in Bristol recently with Sticky um, and Uncle Doug's. Rinks, um, and it was outside in a beer garden. Well, it was, it was made like a beer garden, but it was, it was cool. It had, you know, a big tent, um, wooden benches. People sat down in bubbles, um, and it was all right. I, you know, it felt as good as it's going to be. Mm -hmm. People were giving me gun fingers. I had to rewind a couple tunes. I was getting noise. It was like, you know, it's not like mainlining it, like you're playing to 10,000 people um, in a club when everyone's going crazy. But yeah. it reminded me what, what, why I do it, what I do and why I do it. Um, it's for the smile, the looks, the... I didn't realise how much I, I people watch when I'm DJing. You, you must be the same, right? Um, just look, casting your eye out and catching looks and catching a little vibe and plugging into someone else's experience just for a second, a split second. And that could be, yeah. that's all part of the roller coaster of what you're doing. 
uh, why you why you mixing something there and then could be the inspiration for what you choose next. So, are you playing live though now? Like, is that was it a live sort of show, uh, or was it like a more of a DJ? That was a DJ. Yeah, yeah. Show. Okay. Um, the live thing, uh, right? So, I've not really announced as such, but I am. Um, def I definitely have ambitions to set up a live experience of some sort in the next six to 12 months, depending on Excellent. what we I can can't do. Wait. Um, there's been 20 years of Zed Bias and Mad Slinky and Futuristics, um, worked with some fantastic people. And the last album that I've just made, um, it's probably taken 12 months, the last 12 months. It started off as a project that was all part of, let's call it a musical rehabilitation, not like, or maybe just rehabilitation. Uh, I felt I, I'd actually analysed what was making me anxious in the studio uh, in my career more than in my home life. Just there was there was blockages, and a lot of it was failed experiments. Going back to those things, yeah, failed experiments. But those failed experiments when the person sat next to you has absolutely smashed it and you've just had a bad day. You've had an off day. But because of this constant purveyor belt of people coming in to the studio, like I, I, at times I can have like seven to ten different people coming in during the week, uh, different times of the day, evening or together or whatever. There, there, was, there seemed like there was no time for me to pause turn around, look at what I've done, assess it, go back to it, make it better. In my mentality, it was like a one-time deal. If it didn't work, next. Really negative, really negative. Something that I completely regret, you know, and I went to great pains and lengths to go through all of my cube. I've got all my Cubase files from 2003. So I went through the whole shit, basically. Um, took me a couple of months on and off, you know, outside what I was doing. But isolated tracks where I'd had someone great with me doing a great job. Yeah. And I've just yeah. fucked it up. And I've loaded their vocals up and I've rewritten the music completely. Um, six or seven tracks that have ended up on my album and that's, no, that's six or seven saved relationships as well <laughs> and re, well not even saved but rekindled whatever you want to yeah did. yeah right on um i'll see this there's, there's a there's a silver lining man to this whole to this year for you huh <laughs> yeah you know it, it, at the end of the day all i've got to do is uh, just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm at the end of the day. I'm not on a mission anymore. Um, I'm trying. I'm just. Trying, yeah, it's not. I'm it's not, it's not as intense, right? Mm. So sorry. sorry. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a different mission at the moment. I've got family. One yes. person I've not mentioned in this whole chat. Here. I, I I wanted to ask you about 
about, about fatherhood. Oh, you've got it, right? Because Louis, Louis, <laughs> like my little boy, right? 11 now. Yeah. Um, he's the apple of my eye. Uh, he, when, yeah. when lockdown hit, um, we weren't able, because we live in separate houses, we, he wasn't able to come over. Um, he wasn't able to, to stay with me. So what we'd do is we'd have like a two or three hour walk along canals and you know the nice parts of local sort of greenery around South Manchester and discovered a load of places that we, you know, we had no idea existed and it was fantastic. And sort of, I mean, we've always had a close bond anyway. It was, he was eight or nine when I left, nine. Um, so the last couple of years, even though it's been a change for him, I've seen him sort of grow and grow into the person he's going to be. Um, all the negative stuff that was sort of ended through me leaving, um, you know, like arguments with his mum and whatever, like, you know, obviously without that, pressure on his shoulders he's kind of bloomed and blossomed and, and he's actually become a, a huge source of like comfort and inspiration sometimes to me as well and he's a funny little bugger he's like got me in, increasing all the time uh, it's like a little double act oh even though the last six, <laughs> the last six months i've been embarrassing him i just love you know you know the dad jokes. I'm not particularly a dad jokey type person. My, <laughs> my missus will completely disagree, but I just love seeing the effect on his face when he's cringing. It's part of the payoff, you know what I mean? Being a dad. <laughs> I love a good dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a dad joke. <laughs> Oh mate, um, yeah. I guess I, I mean uh, when when this happened, the uh, when when you had your son as well. Like, how was the was it challenging to balance the roles of a father and and a music producer and DJ? Like, did you find that challenging as well uh, in the earlier sort of parts of his life? Yeah, like there was times that I uh, failed miserably. Uh, prioritizing work, my mission to provide. I, I you mm. know, my age, I came up um, on a council estate, working class. My dad's a brickie. Um, lost my mum at 10 years old. So he was the only sort of voice um, bringing me up, uh, adult voice bringing me up. And it was very old fashioned, you know. Um, got to be a man and got to provide and you know you da, da, da. his mission became my later mission as so often we we repeat our parents you know it's like a, an echo isn't it yeah um, yeah yeah but that didn't work that for for me that became it took it took the magic out of what i was doing uh it, it stopped me working smart, I would end up taking on work that I needed. Um, and it got, I got into a situation where I was taking on so much stuff, I wasn't finishing anything. So I was worse off. Um, and the, 
uh, it was around the same time when it was loads of gigs. So studio time was, you know, quite rare. Um, but, you know, uh, you can't go back and change things. I dare say whatever that experience was for him, he's going to go in, into forming, you know, his own character and his own being an adult the same way as my childhood shaped me. Well, no doubt, no doubt your transformations now are having a huge impact on him. He's seeing his dad as a, you know, uh, transformed and, and, and kicking it, you know, like he's, you're seeing, he's seeing a really good version of, of you, the best version of you now, you know, so, yeah. um, yeah, that's that, awesome. that was my main objective. Like literally above getting a record deal or a publishing deal or 20 gigs in the thing. Yeah. Being the best person, dad, I can be, has taken over. And I know it's a cliche, mate, but fuck it. I'm just going to call it. No, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. <laughs> um, Fantastic. Dave, look, it was, um, honestly, I can't wait for the, the new stuff to come out and the new projects. It was, um, thank you so much for sharing all this stuff today. Like, it was uh, really lovely chatting with you um yeah i've been uh, a big fan of your music uh, for for a very long time in fact i i was kind of i was really excited the boys brought you here to to dubai because i i when i was living in australia i was like i gotta get this guy out to australia i've been inspired by seeing your health journey and i was like mate dave would be a great person to chat to <laughs> and i'm sure he's got a lot to say <laughs> I haven't stopped for the last hour or so. <laughs> no. so yeah. Apologies for fucking rambling. But you've got me on that uh, post-gym serotonin. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, look, Dave, once again, it was great to, to, to have you on the show today. I love chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing all that info. Tell the listeners where they can find Zed Bias, Mad, Sin- Mad Slinky, and so on and so on. Do, where, where can they find you online? Um, well, the one-stop shop seems to be Spotify. Um, Spotify, if you enter Z Bias, many, many tunes come up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dotted about. I'm not hard to find. You can, uh, you can find me out there. There's only one Z Bias. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, James. Take care. Oh, thank you, mate. All the best. Mm-hmm.